Tonight our discussion is on sun salutations, which is really, uh, to me, a very um, enlightening and brightening thing, right? Because we're working from what part of our body for this practice? Could be heart, right? There is no right or wrong. Core. Yep, our core, and what's another word from our, for our core in yoga? Our bandhas, very good. And what's another word for our center in yoga? What's that bright thing that's in the sun? Oh, pff, I just gave it away. What's that bright thing that's in the sky? The sun. And sometimes we have that solar plexus region. A lot of times um, what I think is really invigorating about sun salutations is that a lot of times students think that this practice comes from your arms or your legs, right? But it has nothing really to do with your arms and your legs. Your arms and your legs are like the table support, the legs of a table, but it's that base and it's the surface and it's the design of the frame, the structure, that actually helps you to stay supported and nurtured and functional, right? So this whole practice of sun salutations comes from the solar plexus, your center, your bandhas, which is fantastic, and um, not superficial muscle groups, but actually from the inside out. So it's a br very brightening, very invigorating thing. Um, you have gotten a bunch of different handouts, and I took a lot of information from the Ashtanga lineage. Um, when you practice Hatha yoga, right, and you're learning about freedom and how to find your center, you're learning how to harness the pure potentiality of the breath. I really believe that an Ashtanga practice, Ashto meaning the eight limb practice, is such a great way to learn about sun salutations because sun salutations are thrown into and in between each pose in the Ashtanga series. Sometimes people are like, whoa, that's too many sun salutations. But what happens in your Ashtanga practice is that the sun salutation begins to become a breath meditation practice and a mindfulness practice versus a, oh my God, I'm like doing, a, you know, like a military push-up and I'm lifting weights. If you learn the breath work and you learn how to harness the pure potentiality of the breath and you work from the solar plexus region with the diaphragm dancing, the positive and negatives of the inhale and the exhales, that's where the magic happens in this practice of sun salutations. Tonight, we're going to discuss these sheets that I handed out, but we're also going to discuss, hopefully, about three different versions of sun salutations. Sun salutation A, which is your basic vinyasa that you throw in between in like a regular kind of like movement hatha yoga practice. And then sun salutation B, where you add in a warrior one and utkatasana, your chair pose, your powerful pose, your courageous pose, into it. Um, the first page that you have is the um, Surya Namaskara, which shows you the A and the B versions. The second page that I'm handing you out 
is the Ashtanga sequence so that you kind of know what the lineage is and where a lot of the postures come from when you teach a practice as you go out and sequence and teach other human beings once you graduate from your program. I also handed out to you the um, invocation for the Ashtanga practice because it's always kind of interesting to just see where the lineage comes from and what the translation of the mantra is that a lot of people do before they practice uh, Nashtanga yoga practice. Do you see that? Okay. Then the next page is the idea of um, yoga chikitsa, which is really what we're practicing. If disease is brought about by a state of imbalance in the body and all organs, internal and external, are interdependent, if there's an imbalance or a malfunction occurring, everything gets affected by it. So we're practicing, in a sense, yoga therapy, which is yoga chikitsa. And this is how you stay healthy and harmonious and graceful. And um, yogis like the word equanimity, right? Where your scales are balanced. Where you're learning how to harness the breath to heal your body from the inside out and prevent accumulation of waste keeping the body free from dis-ease, right? So when we're at ease, we get rid of the dis. That was pretty clever, right? But we have lots of benefits that we already know because that's why all of you are in this room to become a teacher because you're passionate about the idea of what can happen when you really start to have a habitual yoga practice, learning how to harness the pure potentiality of the breath, so that you don't have those kind of high highs and low lows, but you're finding center as you practice in um, your life off the mat. The fundamental asanas that we do in yoga are on the other side of the sheet, and there are about six specific movements that we basically do in yoga, and when we do a sun citation, we hit a bunch of them so that we're really working on um, using the sun salutations to wake up, right, the sun, the power in our bodies. <coughs> I just choked on my own saliva. <coughs> what I think is really interesting, I should be a comedy show. What I think is really interesting is that yogis saw things grow. That's how they kind of came up with the idea of creating postures or doing this kind of a practice of rhythmic movement with the breath, is that plants grow upward. Even mountains are up. Animals look up. There's lots of animals that even kind of sit out in the sun to warm up, right? And rejuvenate and get their kind of um, life force from it. But when yogis saw that things grow upward like a tree through the pure potentiality of the breath, they realized that the, the, the power of this solar movement, the heating of the body, not only needs our body like bread, so we're getting rid of disease and toxins, but it also allows us to use the breath to stay upright, to stay aligned in our truth, to be free of all this mental mind stuff that wears us down. 
And so we start to, in this next page, because you're learning about all of these different ways of rising up and nurturing ourselves to be our best self, yogis talk a lot about, in sun salutations especially, the vayus. And vayus mean air. But it doesn't refer only to the gross elements of air and its chemical properties. It also refers to pranic air. So what's prana? Okay, yep, depending on the translation. Life force, right? The, the breath, the movement, vayu means air. So the movement, like, the, like a, a wave, can be likened to electromagnetic fields where energy is in constant motion. So I love the fact that, like, as yogis, we are alchemists, right? We're like scientists who are using Einstein's theories and really changing the configuration of our body by moving these values through your system, by engaging an upward movement, by engaging a forward fold, by swaying from side to side, by exhaling out through the toes, you're moving energy in different directions to literally purge things that no longer serve you. Whether it's like barbed wire that's bound around your thoughts, or if it's a physical manifestation. But this movement of the air through your body is pretty, pretty huge to the sun salutations because it's kind of that spark that ignites the internal flame. It's the spark that ignites um, your body to wake up. Did you know that usually um, most people only breathe about 40-30% of their breathing capacity? They don't even breathe a deep diaphragmatic breath. So if we use our solar plexus and our bandhas and we really focus on the inhales and the exhales in our sun salutations, it's not our limbs. The support, the foundation of what we're doing is the breath. And when you really key into the breath, that's where the sweat happens. And when you really key into the breath, that's where all of the kind of riches start to pour into your practice, right? A lot of times they call a hatha yoga practice a raja yoga practice. Have you ever heard of raja? What does raja mean? Right, royal. So regal and royal. So you start to almost have that luster of a jewel where your body sparkles because you're twisting, you're turning, you're working your central nervous system because now you're in alignment and you're starting to allow the nurturing energy of the breath, like a root, to rise up and open up your thoughts therapeutically so that you create integration. Yogis believe that that's when you kind of grow wings and you get into higher states of consciousness. All by moving breath through your body. To me, that's just like uh, so freaking cool. So if you're interested in values, I put that in there. Yeah. And then the last sheet in your handout is talking about the idea of drishtis. Because if we're practicing yoga chikitsa, if we're practicing yoga therapy, 
drishti helps the lines of the communication of the body to be more effective. So the lines of communication in your body, now scientifically we see it as a central nervous system, right? But um, yogis called it nadis. And nadis are little flowing rivers of energy. The heavens have its constellations. The earth has its waterways. But the body has these little flowing rivers of energy called nadis. It's from um, Yellow Emperor's book of Chinese medicine. The quote, I didn't make that up. I wish I did. Sounds cool, right? But what's neat about that saying is that we as yogis talk a lot about chakras, whether those vortexes or those energy wheels are spinning in one direction or the other. When you harness the breath and you find your sun salutations, and that's your only practice, and you do five of them, Ashtangis consider if you can't do a full practice, but you can do five sun salutations in one day, then you will be more grounded and things will have that effortless effort because your vortexes of energy spin the right way because you've conditioned yourself to find the rhythm to get your chakras, your little wheels, your energetic force fields, that subtle body, that light force to move in the right direction. Right. I know. It's like when you changed clothes that day. It was like, whoa, magic. Right? So the idea of drishti is a lot of times we're like a little bumblebee, right? And we flit and we fly, or like a flea that likes to bite a dog. We flit, we fly, we go around. And while it's good for bees to go from flowers to flowers because they're pollinating them, and then they're taking the stuff back to the hives. And then they're making these, the honey, the royal jelly. That's very different. For a human, if you're going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, you're just digging a bunch of different holes, but you're not accomplishing anything. And we're trying really hard when we practice to break down, to break through. Right? It's therapy again. <laughs> yeah. I was turning to Jen because that's her profession. So when we um, have these lines of communication in the body, our drishti, our focal point in our sun salutations are really huge because it helps you to dive deeper inward. It's a really, really cool thing. Drishti in Sanskrit, do you know what drishti is kind of talking about? You have two... Eyes and right, and it a drishti is like a gaze point where to look. But the interesting thing, when you kind of break it down philosophically, if where your gaze goes, your thoughts go, right? Where your gaze goes, your mind goes. So, what you're trying to do is look inward, and the internal gaze allows you to have joyful insight. So you can think of a sun salutation as a moving meditation, which is awesome because how many people do you know like to meditate? And are like, oh my God, it's the best thing in the whole world. I do it all the time. A lot of people are really frightened of sitting in stillness. 
So people, it's very accessible to come to the mat and to practice a sun salutation or any other asana because we can turn our gaze inward, but it's not scary because you're moving. And the playful movements are sensory integration practices that allow you to tune in, but still be active. The drishti points that I, are listed right here help you to get your um, chakras, your nadis, and everything to flow properly so that you're not looking outward or buzzing or flitting around like a fly or a flea, but you're bringing everything inward to find that inner peace, to create a purposeful pause. What's kind of neat about that first sheet that I handed out to, to all of you is on the first sheet, which is really where we're going to spend most of our time tonight, is for Surya Namaskara A and Surya Namaskara B, it's got on the left where you inhale, where you exhale, and then it has numbers that are written out like numerical order. But then it has another thing, which is the Sanskrit, where the number is, like if it says one, that's ekam. So we'll go through and kind of learn some Sanskrit numbers. That's another really great thing about Ashtanga Yoga, is that you really learn the numbers in Sanskrit, and you learn the name of the poses in Sanskrit, which in your little cheat sheet on the second page, it's written very small, but there's a cheat sheet right there where I wrote the definitions of everything in English, but the Sanskrit is there. And then it tells you how many breaths for each pose that you do. Um, how many of you know that an inhale is an upward movement? <coughs> And an exhale is a downward <clears throat> The fascinating thing is that it comes from this idea of inhale to reach high, exhale, dive forward. Inhale, lift and lengthen, exhale, step back, high plank. Lower chaturanga, inhaling up, exhaling down. So this metronome that you're creating becomes a breath ratio. So yet another reason why people really like the physicality of the practice is because if you aren't a meditation person or you don't practice breath ratio practices and our world stress level is at the highest it's been in so many years, this is such a good thing to just help you find the infinite loop of freedom, right? Because you're inhaling, exhaling, inhaling, exhaling and you create the rhythm as a teacher or if you're practicing on your own the student creates the rhythm but it gives you um, a way to move air through the body through those values those pathways of air but also have any of you um, seen a bellows like an old-time bellows now gas it, there's like gas and electric fireplaces but there used to be where you had to like be like you were camping and like light a match and put the paper in there and then sometimes they had this old-fashioned bellows 
Well, our bodies are thought of that way. I have a cough drop if you need it. Our bodies are thought of that way, that we're expanding, and then when we exhale and fold and let everything out, it's a contracting or a co-contraction. Um, a lot of times yogis call it dynamic opposition. Have you ever heard that? Uh, I, I say it often, if you've ever practiced with me, but uh, just like an inhale and an exhale are at two ends of a spectrum, your bandhas do the same thing. Your um, mula bandha, the root bandha, the um, you know, seed center, and then the uddiyana bandha, they work together like a bellows to create the heat in your body so you harness the pure potentiality of the breath. And they dance. And this dance, you learn through the movements of the practice. It's all good. It's good. Is this all making sense? Is everybody okay? Fantastic. Because now we're going to really start turning into the flow and the freedom of the practice since I gave you a little bit of an overview of the history as we kind of went over the sheets. Would you like to learn this Sam Sanskrit? Okay. Surya. What do you think Surya is? Sun. Sun. Yeah. <laughs> good. I was like hitting my tummy. That's good. All right. So Surya and Namaskara you're doing a sun salutation. You're honoring, you're bowing, you're mm, kind of prostrating yourself to the sun, right? There's lots of um, ancient lore about like sun worshipers. You should kind of look into it. It's fun because I always think that philosophy is really um, a huge part of the practice. Um, and if you look at ancient religions or ancient stories or different cultures, and there were like sun worshippers, or there were like different kinds of um, religious uh, salutations to the sun gods, um, or there were stories about the power of the sun mm -hmm. that was always balanced by the moon. And, it, and there is a moon salutation which is really neat. They use it a lot in Ashtanga, I mean, uh, sorry, Iyengar practices. So that's kind of fun. Iyengar, like a moon practice. Mm -hmm. uh, when you see in Surya Namaskar A, that's the ones that are starred. Surya Namaskar B are all of the images. Um, what is uh, samashtitihi? Right? Equal standing pose or equal footing. Or, um, is it sometimes <coughs> called tadasana? Yeah. Tadasana. Yep. So tadasana mountain pose. Tadasana standing in your truth. Tada, I am here. There's so many interesting kind of ways to look at the idea of Tadasana, but both the Sun Citation A and the Sun Citation B start with Samashtitihi, that equal footing. What happens when your feet are in two separate boats? And you have one driver 
that starts going too fast and the other driver like is putzing around and starts talking to his friends and doesn't go uh, at the same time what happens to your feet Yeah, you fall in the water, right? Or you split in two different directions. You split in half. So the idea of samashtitihi is equal footing. You're standing in your truth. Because if you're not aligned right when you start, you're off already. So one of the biggest things, and you know that I say this often, is every pose is tadasana. So if you know how to cue Tadasana, you're going to know how to cue a sun salutation. You're going to know how to cue the rhythm and the movement of your practice. Um, you start off in Samashtitihi, and then there's a list here, and you can either follow the 1 to 17 in the chart, or you can follow along. Um, but would you like to do the counting? Learn the counting? So Akam is one. Dve is two. Trini Chatare Pancha is five. Sat is six. Good. Sapta is seven. Eight is Ashto. Right? And that would be easy because it's Ashtanga, right? Ashto. Nava. 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 Dasa is ten. Dasa. Ekadasa. Ekadasa. Devadasa. Devadasa. Triodasha. Triodasha. Um, uh, Chaturdasa. Chaturdasa. Panchadasa. Sodasa, Saptasa, and then Samashtitihi again. Yep, Samashtitihi. So what's funny is we're Americans, so we're not really going to enunciate the um, this language very well, but we can do the best we can. And the fact that you're trying is really fantastic. And I also think it's really interesting too, especially like in an Ashtanga practice, sometimes there are teachers who are a little bit more militant and they create a metronome. But it's really neat when the teacher like says, um, your breathing in Ashtanga is uh, five breaths per pose. And if someone says, Ekam, Dve, Trini, Chatare, Pancha, then you know it's going to begin again. And like the Yoga Sutras, Ata, now is the time. Everything keeps beginning again. So it gives you an opportunity to begin again, but when you count in the Sanskrit, it just makes it a really kind of like deep meditation practice. And it's a different way for a teacher instead of saying one, two. It's like when the teacher was mad at you and they were counting because you had a timeout. <laughs> we want to time in, damn it. You know, and so in order to have a time in, you kind of have to have this like freedom to not have the preconceived notions or the kind of like layers of conditioning that we've had. And some, some way Sanskrit kind of takes that away and creates a little bit more freedom. Plus as a yoga instructor, when we say a Sanskrit word, Sanskrit by itself means to polish. 
So by saying the Sanskrit word, it has that resonance in your body. I think that's pretty neat. Uh, so, Utkatasana. Let's say that one out loud. Utkatasana. Right? And that is a chair pose, right? Powerful pose, courageous pose, sometimes defined as fierce pose. Mm -hmm. And then Uttanasana. Right? Which is a forward fold. Your third point is trini when you bring your head up halfway, like it's an inhale breath. So it's almost like arda, half, uttanasana. And then your floating back is chaturanga dandasana, where you're going from high plank to low plank. Urdhvamukha is what? Upward facing, right? And Shvanasana. And then Adomukha. Good. Uh, Virbhadrasana. Correct. And a Virbhadrasana, I like um, one of the definitions is auspicious. It's an auspicious pose to be in. And we're not really talking a lot about alignment and like how a warrior one should look like. But what's really important in a warrior one and a warrior two, structurally, is that you have a right angle, in a sense, with your leg. You don't want your knee to go beyond the ankle because that's when you mess up the ligaments and stuff. And you can mess up the knee joint. So a right angle equals right effort. If you grab my backpack, I can get you a cough drop. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, does that make sense? A right angle equals a right effort. But if you are kind of really, really off, or your knee is beyond the ankle, then you just start shearing the uh, tendons and ligaments. Uh, Chaturanga Dandasana. Again, Urdhva Mukha Svanasana, Adho Mukha Svanasana, and then you look to the top of the mat and float to the top of the mat or travel to the top of the mat. It says here jump, but it's more like you're levitating because you're using the inhales and the exhales to create space. For the novices or the newbies, you are stepping to the top of the mat. And you cue step to the top of the mat. And there is nothing wrong with stepping to the top of the mat. It is not going to get you to yoga land any faster or slower if you can jump to it. Okay? <laughs> That's really important to remember. So, question. The sun salutation, does that specifically mean like an entire sequence So specifically, it would be um, Surya Namaskara A. You would do uh, Samashtitihi. You would do a forward fold, right? C number two. You would do then three, the half lift, Arda. Then you would do a Chaturanga. And then an up dog. And then you would do a down dog. And then you would float to the top of the mat. 
and forward fold, and then you would end up back in samashtitihi, in equal footing. So that's sun salutation A. And sun salutation B are all the pictures on here. So it's a whole rhythm. So if you're going to a vinyasa class or a flow class, you're doing a sun salutation in between each pose without coming to the top of the mat. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a specific, like, you do those 10 movements and that's a sun salutation. Yeah. And this is usually considered a warm-up in your series, right? Yes. Okay. So any of you that are creating a sequence to, for your graduating, for your mentorship, will probably have a sun salutation in it in the beginning of your practice. Is there a traditional, how many times you repeat it? It depends like on what your focus of your sequence would be. Okay. Like in Ashtanga, you do uh, five sun salutation A's and five sun salutation B's. Right. But if you're doing, say, like a more of a gentle flowy class and you're just trying to warm up your limbs before you move into other standing poses, you might just do three of them. Okay. On each side. Whoa. No, no, three just sun salutation A's. Okay. But what we're going to learn tonight is three, meaning your up dogs are different. Your first up dog's a gentle cobra, your second up dog is a little bit higher with bent elbows, and the third time around you would do a full up dog. So that you're moving your body in increments, modifications on up. Sun salutations are kind of tricky. Uh, because people are um, very apt to move from their ego, right? And that's why chiropractors like yogis. Because someone usually messes up their shoulders, someone messes up their wrists, someone messes up their <clears throat> knees. And just like bringing you back to the beginning of how we started, I started this conversation um, with all of you, your sun salutations come from the breath. They come from the solar plexus. So if you work from the breath, your table legs will never break. Your foundation will always be strong. But if your alignment is off and you're forcing yourself into it, or you're pushing from your wrists, or you're dumping weight into your wrists, you're going to hurt yourself, and then you're going to say, this yoga shit is so much BS. I'm never coming to do this anymore. I don't care if my friend likes this. But it's not usually because the pain is coming from the it's, – it's, it's coming from because they're probably not using the breath and they're using more of the muscles or the forcing of things. And we know as yogis, we work from breath. And as teachers, that's what I really want you to walk out of here, knowing that if you cue from breath and every pose is Tadasana, this is super easy. And in Tadasana, your hands are your feet and your feet are your hands, correct? Right? So where is the energy coming from? Yeah. 
the sun, the solar plexus, right? It's coming from the center. So it's effortless effort because it takes a long time. It's really, really not easy to condition yourself to get there. And people don't like the hard work, right? And what we're trying to do is, as teachers, make this really simple and fun and not scary. Okay? When you do your texts, what happens is you usually focus on, like, down dog, up dog, back bends, right? We're doing the whole kit and caboodle tonight. So it's going to be a really kind of like fast, throw it in your face kind of experience. But now we're just going to use props and different things to find your sun salutations. Are you ready to begin? All right. So I gave you a block, or you picked up yourself a block and a strap, and you have your mat. We are going to start off by just coming to the um, top of the mat. Without your props, but have your props nearby. As you come to the top of the mat and you feel your body in alignment, Begin to uh, make sure that no one's near you. So open your arms wide. Say, hey, hey, neighbor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I want to teach you something. So in, like, power vinyasa classes, a lot of times people reach their hands forward and up. But what's happening is, is that you're not using your whole body. And I want you to think about your back body. So the opening of the arms is really important. Okay, so because we're starting off in Tadasana and we're or Samashtitihi and we have the equal footing, you find your comfortable stance. Some people it's feet closer together, some people it's feet a little bit wider apart, but you have four points of contact on your feet. You have the ball mounts of your feet and your heels, and you can move like side to side like the axles of a car. Does that make sense? You're steady and stable. It's almost like moonwalking a little bit. Okay? So, now, take your big toes, touch them down. And what do you feel in your legs just by touching the big toes and lifting the other toes up? Your thigh engage, right? Awesome. So, it automatically starts to lift the energy up like you're pulling on a really tight pair of pants. Spread out the rest of the toes from the big toe. And lower them down. Good. The arches of your feet, your arcs of intelligence start at the arches of the feet, and you're lifting up towards the sky. Your arms are down by your sides, and just take one hand to your pubic bone and one hand to your tailbone. If you're pulling up from the soles of your feet, your kneecaps are smiling, which engages the front of the legs, and in turn, your glutes should start to fire. Your pubic bone and your tailbone are having a good conversation. It's like the breath. So one's not pulling too far forward and one's not pulling too far back. And the hips, now take your hands to your hips, are almost like the servants because the king and the queen, the pubic bone's your queen and the tailbone's your king, are trying to get it on and create a kingdom. So the hips are helping. And 
there's a little point below on the ground and there's a little point above your head and we're trying to kind of have those two points meet. So that dynamic opposition is really about engaging the pelvic bowl to be balanced. When the pelvic bowl is balanced, it gives you space to breathe into the root, that root lock, that mula, the base of the spine. And then in turn, your belly um, can rise and fall and get broad and get small because you have this really nice bowl that you're trying to fill up. Now take your thumbs underneath your armpits. As your thumbs are underneath your armpits, you're lifting your heart. Do you feel how your shoulders kind of melted back by doing that? Our shoulders are triangular in shape, and a lot of times people's shoulders like to eat their ears. So they kind of roll forward and up. And we want the exact opposite. We want them to roll down and back so that our sternum shines high and bright. Our lungs hug the heart, and our heart is protected from the sternum. So now we're creating space for our lungs and our diaphragm to really massage the heart and our shoulders to be broad enough to create space. Now without modifying your shoulders, bring your arms down, palms face forward. Samashtitihi, equal footing. Your thumbs are slightly out, your pinkies are forward, you're breathing deeply. And now every pose is going to be stemming from this dynamic in your student's body. Okay? I'm going to have you just slightly, as the palms rotate down, reach your arms up halfway. So you're spreading up from the pinkies, your palms face down. Breathe deeply. Exhale, palms come down. When we compress, when we get stressed, when we feel overwhelmed, the first thing that happens is people usually are like, oh my God, my low back hurts, right? You get a little cream, you get a little pressure, you get a little bit of a weight. So what we're trying to do is feel as if the kidneys, which are back there near our low back, are growing wings. So when you pull up, you're broadening your back, which should keep the spine long. And then exhale, your hands come back down. Let's try it again. Like you're almost like a little suction cup and you're going. Let's try it again. Inhale. Okay, here we go. Now as you inhale and your arms go halfway, flip your palms and reach up high. And your palms connect so that your thumbs are in line with the tip of the nose. How many of you are eating your ears? Yep. So reach your hands to a comfortable position out in front of you without having your shoulders lift up. And your elbows are straight because when the lines of communication are active, the elbows are straight and true. Good. Arms relaxed down. So because everybody is different and our skeletons are all different, when you're inhaling and you're reaching up, this is um, Urdhva Hastasana, you're lifting up into this position. Like when I first started, I had a really intense office job and I was always on the computer. My thumbs, my hands, and my arms were almost like parallel to the floor. As I started creating space, I could lift up because I'm pulling toward center. So my shoulders weren't 
a lot of students you're going to see are going like this and they're kind of scrunching up and it's really tight and they look funny because if they put their arms down this is what they would be looking like okay so your ultimate goal is to keep your students shoulders relaxed that is why a lot of times now people are saying inhale reach forward and up but they never put their palms together and I'm old school and I'm kind of a big B so um, that's cheating in a lot of ways what's cheating? this and not putting your palms together you really want to feel that inspiration to lift and open and be radiant and strong right it might not be how you cue we're taking everything with a grain of salt only teach from experience I'm just kind of trying to teach you where this comes from and the history of it so that you're able to create space. Okay? So rotate your palms up and open your arms like a T. Take your pinky fingers together. Rotate the palms together. Good. Without lifting your shoulders, reach your arms up from the belly, from the solar plexus, from the breath. It's hard, yeah? <laughs> Yep, so you only want to go as high as you can that it feels comfortable. And then arms come down. That's the best way to really figure out where your body should come into. And then you have not only inhale, reach up high, exhale, dive down. You're conditioning where your shoulders should go so your levators are pulling everything to center. But if I go into a warrior one, now I know where my arms go. Because that's where I already know that they go when I do my first inhale and reach high to the sky. Okay? If you don't put the palms together and you cue your students so that they don't go all the way up, just make sure that your pinky's spiraling and the thumbs reach out. Because everything that you're doing is working with vortexes of energy. If your thumbs are forward and your pinkies are kind of cockamamie and your palms face out, try it. What does it feel like in your neck? A strain. A strain, right? It feels tight. It feels kind of hinky, if that's a word. So you're externally rotated. Every pose is Tadasana. Okay? So, Samashtitihi, um, equal footing. Ekam. Dve. Inhale, reach high. And exhale, dive down, fold forward. So that's your Uttanasana, your forward fold. Inhale, hands to the shins, lift your chest halfway. Exhale, palms to the ground, step back to high plank. Good. Lower, knees, chest, and chin. Oh, everything comes down. Inhale, gentle cobra, lift your heart up, not a lot of weight on the hands. Exhale, downward facing dog. Pressing into the hands and the knees, downward facing dog. Nice. So we're moving a little bit faster than you would want to. You usually want to give your students at least five deep breaths and a dog, three to five breaths. Look to the top of the mat. Step to the top of the mat. Inhale, lift your chest halfway. Exhale like a bellows, push all the air out. Inhale, swan dive high, reaching up, flipping the palms, hands touch. Exhale, arms down by your sides. Samashtitihi.
All right, that would be Surya Namaskar A, but the baby version, right? Let's do the midway version. Inhale, reach your arms up. One. Exhale, dive all the way down. Two. Inhale, lift your head up halfway, Trini. Chatare, palms to the ground, step back, Chaturanga. Lowering knees, elbows hug the ribs. Inhale, up dog with your knees to the ground. Elbows bent, shoulders broad. Good. Exhale, roll the toes under, press into the hands and knees, downward facing dog. Inhaling and exhaling. Breathing deeply. Body is calm. Eyes are soft. Heart is open. Look to the top of the mat. Step or float to the top of the mat. Inhale, lengthen. Exhale, fold. Inhale, dive high to the sky. Exhale, arms down by your side. Samashtitihi. <laughs> when your hands come to your heart, it's called samashtitihi pranyam. Like pranyam meaning like prayer position. Yeah. Inhale, reach your arms up high to the sky. Awesome. Exhale, dive all the way down. Fold it out. Inhale, lift your chest halfway, just halfway. Exhale, palms to the ground, step back to plank. All right, now elbows hug the ribs, chaturanga. Flip your toes, inhale, urdhva mukha, you're rolling on your toes. Exhale, adho mukha, downward facing dog. So as you take your five deep breaths, your gaze point is to the navel. So you've got your Nabi Chakra, breathing deeply. Look to the top of the mat, step or float to the top of the mat. Inhale, lengthen, exhale, fold. Inhale, dive high to the sky, reaching up. And exhale, dive, hand arms down by. So I love, one of my mentors always says, we're like a phoenix rising from the ashes. Who feels warm? <laughs> right? So you're really purifying your body, just like that kind of metaphor of the phoenix just breaking through and getting rid of the toxins and finding your inner light and your radiance and being like... <laughs> okay? Yeah, because you're pure of heart, revolutionary spirits. Okay, grab a block. This is your first practice. Take the block and bring it um, skyscraper so it's tall. And then take it colonial so it's flat. And squeeze it in between your legs. First prop to use to help someone do a sun salutation. Inhale, reach high to the sky. Exhale, dive all the way down, fold forward. Inhale, squeeze the block, lift halfway. So don't lift your chin up, but lengthen through the top of the head. Back is long. Exhale, palms to the ground. Bend your knees. Float back plank. Oh, the apprehension. You guys <laughs> <laughs> look like bunny rabbits. <laughs> Lower. Squeeze the block. Chaturanga. 
You have three different versions of an up dog that we just taught, lift and open. Exhale, downward facing dog. So yogis roll on their toes. A lot of times you see people flipping their feet, but you're trying to roll on your toes. Your hips are high, your head hangs down, you're squeezing the block. As your gaze is towards the navel, what do you feel by squeezing the block? Yep, the inner spiral of the thighs, the hips broaden. Do you feel stronger? Yeah. Do you feel yourself like a, a mountain almost? Mm -hmm. Like your hands and your feet are doing work, but you're not dumping into them because you're really working on focusing on the connection of the block, lifting your hips up higher, up towards the bright sunshine. Now look to your hands. This is an important thing. The triads of the hands, the thumb and the index finger, spread out wide, like almost like a V. If you're an inversion junkie, your index finger is pointing forward. If you're learning old school, the middle finger is pointing forward. But the fold of the wrist for your students is always in line of the hand, is always in line with the top of the mat. And I'm gonna have all of you make sure your hands are as wide as the mat. Because a lot of people pinch their shoulders you want your pinkies to be touching more towards the sides of the mat so that you create space. Your shoulders open. Come to the ball mounts of the toes. Look forward. Float forward. <laughs> ah, exhale, kiss your shins. Inhale, squeeze the block. Come up with a flat back. Uh-huh. Exhale, arms down by the side. How is that? Interesting. Rejuvenating. Rejuvenating. I want to make sure you all fall asleep tonight. Okay. <laughs> so, because this is a really invigorating thing. You're not going to, like, you know, do breath of fire or a bunch of sun salutations before trying to go to bed because you're going to be all amped up. Uh, it's like running a marathon, right? I mean, it's pretty intense. Uh, so, what I'm going to have you do with your friend, can I use it as an yeah. example? Your friend is going to get into high plank. <coughs> with the block in between their legs and the strap around their arms. Okay, so if you bent your elbows, your strap is right in a good position for chaturanga. So the strap is right above the elbows, shoulder width apart. Alright, so you're going to come into high plank. The first tendency that people do when they get into high plank is that all of a sudden they create a valley in between their shoulders. Now remember, we're going through this really fast because you're combining a bunch of different poses that you have specific um, classes on for your techs. So she's got a valley and she's dumping her low back. So all we're going to do is have her push out into the strap, which broadens the shoulders. So we might have to make your strap longer. And as you squeeze the block, the pubic bone goes forward and the tailbone lengthens, so she should have some space. Pubic bone forward, tailbone lengthens. Yep, like do a pelvic tilt. Ah, your back gets longer. Then I'm going to say lift your heart to my finger so we get the valley out of the shoulder. See how she's lifting her chin? Push your heart up. Breathe. Ah, open and broaden even more. Push your shoulders out. Good. And then your heels are like they're pushing against the wall. So readjust your pubic bone. Push into my feet. Lengthen the top of the head. This is hard, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, come down onto your knees. Okay, so um, watch what happens. You did great. Um, when you breathe, um, go to your friend, drop all your blocks. Um, go two, 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 two. Uh, you don't need your strap, but with your friends, and everybody pair up in twos, and reach your arms up high to the sky, and one person is going to stand behind you. Active 
where you're on all of your limbs and stuff, you really have to keep shifting and not lock out and get really rigid. Okay, so that's really important. So what I'd like you to do is kind of the same thing that I just did with her. With your partner, have one person, and you want the ball mounts of the feet to the um, base of the floorboard and the heels up. You want to have them feel plank. They're going to have their heels up the wall and their fingers spread wide, and you're going to put your hand at the top of the head, and you're going to keep having them lengthen. And you're going to see the difference between a valley, you can't see through the sweatshirt maybe, but a valley, and then the difference between that, and then your pubic bone relaxing, or your pubic bone's too high, or you're shifting, I can't even do it, where you're kind of <laughs> passive. Okay, because what happens when people start doing chaturanga, they look like they're humping the floor. I swear to God, they look like dolphins. What you're trying to do is chaturanga, urdhva mukha, adha mukha. Okay, high plank, elbows at a 90 degree angle, almost low plank. Roll your toes up, draw the pubic bone forward, downward facing dog. Your hips slingshot to the sky. It's very hard. So that's why I really am going to keep on this every pose is Tadasana. Because if I start going down here, my ass is high, but my shoulders are lower than my elbows, I'm just tearing the shit out of my rotator cuffs. And I'm creating this compression, so if I stood up, I'd be like this. I'd have a duck butt. Yeah. <laughs> right? It works really well. Um, but no. Find a partner, practice against the wall, and breathe. Well, I think what's interesting when we start adjusting our friends and when we start learning how to do all of this stuff is that because everybody's body is so different, this is all based on experience. You know, we were just adjusting Tadasana and Plank. And then some of us got to the point where we used our strap to come into Chaturanga, where we could use the strap as a hammock, like what you did. And then when you come into an up dog, you're spreading out and fanning out your toes and by fanning out the toes, you're actually elevating your heart up higher and you're activating the legs. A lot of people keep their legs really passive and then that changes the structure of the torso too. So this, this sun salutation is really fraught with a lot of interesting uh, different facets to it and we're not gonna get it in two seconds. You just have to really think of like as a teacher, you're watching bodies and you're trying to cue a specific body versus everybody. So you might have to work like one-on-one -on -one with someone outside of class versus like trying to adjust someone or uh, take care of it during class, like what you were saying. It was like really hard to figure out like what worked or what doesn't work. It's a tricky thing. So when you learn the sequence and the pacing and the cadence of a sun salutation, it's a little bit easier to kind of um, start to feel the subtle adjustments and the subtle cues like, oh, drop your tailbone, um, broaden your shoulders, try not to have your chest collapse, 
And I always say, like, we have a front heart, but think of a back heart, that you're breathing into that, like you're hugging your favorite person. It creates more space in the shoulders. Um, some of you I took against the wall so that you could kind of feel how your spine really needs to create more action in the back of it. Uh, I've talked about this before in other texts, but we always check ourselves out in the front mirror. Like, we look in the front, but we don't look in the back. And we have to think about our practice as all-encompassing. So when we're doing a sun citation and we're inhaling and exhaling, it's not just like inhale, fill up your belly. It's fill up your kidneys, your side body, the arches of your feet, the top of your head, right? And that's like the whole kind of kit, uh, uh, thing when you're cueing. You're not just cueing, and a lot of places have mirrors now. So you're not just cueing to what they see, you have to cue to the whole body. But your props, your best prop to use is, especially for chaturanga, so people can do it right, is the strap, so they can push out, right? In a down dog, they can push out versus pushing down, because a lot of people push down. Um, the block is a great way to find their center and to feel a lot of space. What I'd like to teach you with the strap is how to adjust in downward facing dog where you're not touching your friend, if that's okay. Do you want to be my buddy? Okay, so Superwoman is going to put her hands to the back of the mat and her feet to the uh, top of the mat so that she is um, facing the opposite way so we can all see her down dog. And get into down dog. Hands to the ground, hips are high, head hangs down. So people get really tweaked out when you're behind them, right? So then we also have to think about how we're trauma sensitive. You already know if your students want to be touched or don't want to be touched. But if you take your thumb, and, I'm sorry, your ring finger and your pointer finger and your middle finger, you can just take it to the heels and push down. And that's something that's safe. You can also, if your heels are up high, put your feet underneath their feet and say push into my feet. It makes the back of the legs engage. Something if you feel comfortable doing, you take a strap and you bring it underneath them. You've already said, is it okay? I've adjusted you before class. So you know you're going to help them in their sun citation. Because this is where the most of the breath is coming from in the practice. Because it's one breath, one movement until you get into your down dog. Then I can find a warrior stance myself. And I have this strap. And I either hold the reins of the strap so it's wrapped around their hips, and I, are you okay? Yes, I'm good. And I hold it with both hands, or I hold it with one hand, and I pull. And it lengthens her toes as she looks to her belly. Can you see her creating more space? So your head hangs down like a giant weight, and you're really smart. There you go. And it creates space, and it's really neat. And then you release the strap, and then you say, step to the top of the mat. Inhale, lengthen, exhale, fold. So why don't you try adjusting your friend in a down dog? Because that is an interesting and easy way to be able to do a hands-on. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Uh, it goes by fast. So we did three different versions of Sun Salutation A. 
We didn't really have an opportunity to talk about Sun Salutation B, except for the fact that in a Warrior One, you uh, always have a right angle with your knee, and you never have the knee go beyond. And then when you reach your arms up, your thumbs are in line with the tip of the nose, or your hands are um, shoulder width apart, pinkies spiral in, thumbs reach back. Uh, we're really talking about um, harnessing the breath to create freedom. And every inhale is a what movement? Upward. Good. Every exhale is a? Downward. And a sun salutation in Sanskrit is what? Good. All right. Um, you're all going to be incredible teachers. Practice, practice, practice. And if you have friends or partners that like to be touched, try all these things out on them and see. Maybe they'll be like, oh my God, don't ever do that to me again. Or they'll be like, this is freaking awesome. Let's really have fun. Um, so teach from experience. And um, I think it's really, really uh, a lot of information to digest. So if you have any questions, you know that you always have the opportunity to get a hold of me or any other teacher on the teacher training staff. Um, because we want to help facilitate ease in your experiences so that you can be incredible teachers, teaching from modifications on up, and really teaching how other people can find harmony and ease and balance in their life by, um, through breath and movement, right? Mm -hmm. So have a wonderful, wonderful um, evening. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.